Being a professional isn't about the money you make, the position you hold, your level of expertise or fame. It's the motivation and the attitude you bring to your work. A desire for always learning and improving and balancing your creative output with getting the business done. Welcome and join the Creating Pros. Hi, and welcome back to Creating Pros. I'm your host, Jim Nettles. And this week, I want to talk a little bit about one of the things that we see a lot of um, all over the place, and it's a trap. And it's a trap that every one of us has fallen into at some point in time. It affects businesses, it affects us personally, and it's pervasive. It can be and is very often quite destructive. And I've seen business owners from startups to executives in Fortune 50s get trapped in it and fall quite deep into it. Um, I've seen friends and family crawl really deep inside of it. I've watched it devastate projects and the people working on them. And it's something I've fallen into both personally and professionally. And it is almost completely unavoidable. And in fact, it's something we often see coming and decide to kind of play through anyway. And often that's going to be the one that I've, I've been guilty of too, is not knowing when is it time to quit. And so what is this great evil? You know, what's this great problem? Well, it's often called the sunk cost fallacy. And if you've never heard of it, um, it's going to be one of those th ideas. It's a term that we see quite often in business, but it also comes up in a lot of other ways as well. Um, you know, if you're not familiar with it, it's really kind of often, you know, used in the, the idea of throwing good money after bad, right? Um, it's the principle that we tend to follow through on something or continue to work on something even long after it may have served its purpose or after we figured out there's really not any benefit to it. You know, maybe it's something as simple as, you know, having gone out to eat, get something and decide you really don't like it, but you're going to finish it because you bought it and you paid for it. Or you dove into a book or a movie or something like that. And you're like, mm, yeah, not really for me, but I'm going to continue to watch it because I've already started it. I've, I've already paid for it. You know, we've seen people that stayed in relation uh, relationships or jobs way longer than they should have. But again, it was that whole idea that I've spent time on this. I've, I've built up all of this. I need to stay here to get the benefit out of it, perceived or not. You know, I mean, one of those things as a writer is every writer, every single one of us has what we call trunk books, that thing that's never going to see the light of day, you know, or, or we may even get into where we we start a lot of projects and it's like, I've got to finish this because I've, I've done this now. I've at least got to see through it to the end. You know, even though, you know, it's not going to be publishable, it's not going to be something anybody else would want to see, but there's still that drive of I've got to do it. I've got to finish it. You know, it's really looking at that idea that, a sunk cost is something where you've invested very valuable resources and you're ultimately not going to get them back out of it. But the fallacy part of it is where you continue to pour more of those same resources and others into it. And the question becomes, why? Logically, we know it's a bad idea, but why do we continue to, to chase these things? Well, we can break these things down in a number of different ways. And if we consider the kinds of resources that we pour into things, Number one is money. Um, you know, obviously that is something that we all, you know, depend on. It's the fuel for, and it's what we're looking for to get out of, of everything. The second of which is effort. In other words, we're out there putting the work in, we're trying to make things happen. And that really does tie into things like time. Um, because again, time being that very valuable resource. Um, our belief systems. You know, our belief systems often tell us we have to continue to work on something 
um, even if we know we probably shouldn't. And this, all of this often leads to that idea of becoming really emotionally invested in something we might've been working on, people were around, things that we're doing. So with all these kinds of resources in mind, these ideas in mind, what causes to go in and, and double down and continue to, to work on something we might not should or might not continue to, you know, a relationship we don't need to continue working our way through. Uh, maybe it's a project, a business, something along these lines, or, you know, just simply I'm looking at a project. Is it viable? Well, I, I kind of want to walk through this because it's something that we all fall into because it is behavioral patterns. It is the things that we all fall into because it's part of human nature because of often, again, the way that we look at the value of resources. And behavioral economics is a study that takes a look at why we do certain things and how that affects us in the economic model. And this is just as true, whether it is in marriages and personal relationships or making buying decisions about certain things. And there's five really major areas that have been highlighted um, over time. And I think these will probably make sense to most everybody, but the first of which is the idea of loss aversion. In other words, when I've paid something or what I've invested in something also creates a sense of value around that. Um, it's also tied to the idea of if I'm walking down the street and I find 20 bucks on the ground, if I pick that up, um, it feels like a small win. But if I go and I discover I've lost 20 bucks, it feels like much greater loss than the find would have been worth. So it's really that idea of the negative experience and the negative connotation that goes along with that feeling of, of loss. The second idea is one that is called framing effects. And this is much more about cognitive bias. And it's that idea that we look at things either in the positive or the negative, And depending on how we view that, can make us not necessarily look at something rationally or, lo uh, or logically. You know, we can kind of look at this as the idea of the glass half full or half empty. Um, it could be the idea of in the idea of an accident or something happens, we were able to save this number of people, or we look at it as saying, oh, we lost this number of people and how we look at that value. Another thing that we often see is, is what's called um, overly optimistic probability bias. And this is that idea that once I've made a decision, once I've made this investment, that I have to be right. I, it's that need and want and desire to be right all of the time. And it's that feeling that because I made this decision, it has to be the right one. And so I know that the, the result I'm looking for will come at the end of this. I just need to keep working down towards that path. Another thing that we often see that is a major driver for this is what's called personal responsibility. And it's that sunk cost that means we bring on personal ownership and try to take on the full burden of something if we think we've made a bad decision. Um, in business, we see this in the idea that I don't want my reputation to be tarnished by having made a, a poor decision or in our relationships because of not seeing necessarily being with the right person or not having taken the right actions. So it's often we'll take on the burden of personal responsibility because of having made an investment and deciding that we're going to ride that through to at least see some benefit back out of it. And the last, and often I think this is one of the most important ones, is 
is, is the psychology of not wanting to look and appear to have been wasteful. In other words, I made a bad decision, but not only did I make a bad decision, the cost of me backing away from that would, would have the appearance of having thrown good money after bad, or it will look like I'm wasting time because uh, you know I did something, it didn't work out, and I invested all this time in it, and I'm not going to get back the return. Um, and it's really one of those things that often is not only about us, but it's about the people around us going and saying, well, see, you wasted all that time. You did this, you did that. And it's about the perceptions. So all of this kind of boils down to a couple of things. The first is the idea of the perception of value. You know, how do we look at how value is created? How do we look at things that being wasteful or, you know, going down a chosen path? Um, you know, how useful is something? What's the utility of something we've been working on? You know, I may have created something that is useful and of value, but it wasn't worth the cost of what I had to put into it. Uh, it can boil down to how confident I am in something and whether that's overly or not confident enough. It may not be that the, the act itself or the project itself, the relationship itself is not worth it, but it's because of how I perceive and value it that means I may not take the right actions to make or see the returns that I'm looking for. And last, and we're going to talk about this a lot, is that idea of how we allow our emotions, our belief systems, our, our fundamentally our cultural and personal programming to drive us to make certain kinds of decisions. And now that we've kind of looked at and talked a bit about what is a sunk cost fallacy, what is the idea, what do the principles mean? You know, how do we manage this? You know, and how do we avoid it? And honestly, it's one of those things that can be quite difficult to fully avoid, but it's one of those things we really can manage. But that doesn't mean it's easy. So let's go back and look again at kind of the five classes of resources we talked about, because how we approach the different challenges and problems and controls we can put into place is often tied to what the resources we're investing. You know, let's talk about money first, because this is often the thing that we get tied up in is I've spent X amount of money to buy a software license or I bought this book. I bought this product. I don't want to waste the fact that I spent the money on it. And because we spent money, we were tying a particular value to it. Once we spent the money, it really does not matter whether or not we use buyer or, or do whatever it is with what we purchased. That money is spent and taken care of. The question is, are we going to get the value of it, of trying to use whatever we spent the money on? I mean, for example, there's a lot of software I've bought over the years because we, we brought it, we, tie, we, you know, we tested it, we piloted it, and made a decision to say, yes, this works for us, no, this doesn't, or we're going to use this for this period of time because we have it, we spent the money on it, but we know that we're going to be replacing that at some point in time in the future. But with money, we often go and say, oh, I spent this amount of money on it, so I've got to get that much use or utility out of it, even though the act of trying to get the utility out of it means you're going to waste a lot of other time, resources, effort, frustration, aggravation. And not only are you not going to get the value out of it, you're going to wind up throwing a lot more at it just trying to get that value. The second thing we often run into is the idea of the effort. How much, what did I put into it? You know, knowledge, skills, our physical labors, our mental activities, you know, we can put a lot of energy into something. 
And again, this ties to whether it's relationships, whether it's business practices, whether it's a project, whether it's a book I'm trying to write, a lot of time and energy can go into it. And effort is intrinsically linked to that idea of time because time is the most valuable resource that we have. It's the one thing we can't replenish. I can always make more money, but I can't make more time. Um, you know, if I can look at any experience and learn from it, then there is potential value in that. So if I have something that I may have invested a lot of time and energy and effort and money into it, but I get to see that I'm not going to get the return that I want, I need, or that I expect out of it, then that's when you have to go back and reevaluate. Does it make sense to continue this project? And we often hate to question our own judgment, right? We, we don't want to be wrong. We have, you know, a lot of us have that need to be right. And that need to be right will often lead us down a path of making decisions based entirely on appearances. So time, again, is one of those tremendously valuable resources and one that I have learned, you know, our passions really can fuel how we use and spend our time. But again, those same passions can also make us overlook what we're doing with time because again, we feel that if we spent time and energy on something, we want to see that return come out of it. And if we have spent time, money, and effort on something, and we're not getting the return out of it, and we decide to cut that off, often we can create a great deal of resentment out of that. And not wanting to feel that, we'll continue to push down that path. And so that idea feeds into this idea of the emotional investment. You know, if it's a personal relationship, you know, uh, you know, dating, marriage, things along these lines, if you are in business relationships, creative projects, when we're investing ourselves in things, we will become emotionally invested. That's part of what fuels our passion for things. It's part of how we connect with people. It is really one of the drivers that means we can push through things that become challenges to find success. But it also means at times we can be blind to what's going on and it'll push us over a cliff. Again, we hate to be wrong and we hate to admit that even more. And so that emotional investment that we may pour into things is often one of those things we've got to know and understand and manage. And that leads to kind of the one big one that often I think is the hardest one to break. And this is our belief systems. You know, from childhood, we may have been told that waste is wrong absolutely every time. Um, you know, that if you start something, you have to finish it. If you are sitting there and you're eating something that you don't like, you have to finish it because, you know, they're starving kids. Or it could be one of these things of you started the project, you put that time and money in it, you will finish it no matter what. And that no matter what, these belief systems can lock us into something that either fuels that ability to succeed when there's adversity, or they can lead us down toxic and destructive behaviors. And this, our belief systems can often you know, distract us or even cause us not to look at and face reality. And so a lot of the things that I talk about and have written about over the years and whatnot is, how do we deal with adversity when we're operating a business? How do we how do we face challenges and overcome them? Because we will have challenges. We will have obstacles. That's part of the nature of the beast. 
But just because we face those doesn't mean that it's something that we shouldn't face or challenge. In fact, many of the times we do need to look at those. But part of the fact that we need to look at the challenges we're facing also means we need to understand, is there a point in time at which it doesn't make sense to continue to face those challenges? So there's some ideas and tools that you can use that will help you face and really measure the idea of, are you getting into a sunk cost fallacy for something? Are you looking at things the appropriate way? So the tools and, and things that I would recommend for, and again, this is not necessarily easy, but as you go through time, you'll find that these things become much more valuable and also much more integrated into who you are. And you begin to be able to look at things at least often enough to know, am I still on the right path? Is it worth me continuing to push this rock uphill? And so the first thing I recommend is developing that inner strength that inner discipline, you know, be willing to be self-aware and acquire those tools that let you take that logical, dispassionate look at yourself and the situations you're in, the work you're doing, the relationships you're in, and kind of step back that step periodically and go and say, okay, I need to disconnect from this and just look at this from the outside. Part of that is dependent on the idea of creating regular checkpoints for yourself. Create regular project, you know, project checkpoints, stuff your work, your relationships. Be willing to spend that time to say, okay, is this working or not? And if it's not, or if it's not, it's not working the way you want it to, what do you need to look at and do to make a decision about that? Another thing that you have to look at is how you view value, utility. Um, you know, take a look at how you actually approach some of these kinds of decisions. What makes something valuable to you? What makes something useful to you? And also what makes that useful to the others around you as well? Just because you are going and looking at something, just because you, you're stopping defining the value in the act itself doesn't mean there's great value in the lessons you've learned along the way. Even if you make the decision, it's time to move on or move to something else. One of the big things, though, is the idea that we can do this by ourselves, because realistically, a lot of the time we can't. And one of the biggest tools you can have is to surround yourself with people, you know, people who support you, who who understand you and who aren't going to necessarily cast judgment, but will who will give you their guidance. They'll give you their ideas. They'll give you their feedback and do so in a way that is supportive, not destructive. And again, this is a hard thing to do, but once you build that, and again, this is a two-way street, you have to be ready and willing not only to give support, but take support in this environment. You know, one of the other things is this, understand you're not going to win every time. You're not going to succeed every time. Something's not going to work out exactly like you would like to see it work out every time. And in fact, often things don't work out exactly according to plan. But that doesn't mean it's a failure. Just because it's not going to plan doesn't necessarily mean that there's not great value in it. And maybe it's even a bigger success than what you hope for, even if it's not working the way that you had expected. And this is one of those things you have to look at that sometimes you get into that idea of, is this a sunk cost because I'm not getting the output I wanted, but are you getting another value from it in the process as well? And 
again, knowing that something is not succeeding or is, is failing or not operating the way you had hoped or wanted or getting out of it what you expect doesn't necessarily mean that it's time to quit. Maybe it's time to pivot. Maybe it's time to change your approach. Maybe it's time to look at your goals, your objectives, and see, are you getting other value, other benefit out of what you're doing? Um, you know, I look at this idea, you know, if we look at Thomas Edison and the light bulb, as problematic as Thomas Edison was on many fronts, you know, there's the one thing about him, the light bulb, right? There's the old, the old saying of, he did not look at the failure of 10,000 light bulbs or 10,000 light bulbs not functioning, not casting light and heat and the things that they do as a failure. He looked and said, I learned 10,000 ways not to make a light bulb. He learned a bunch of other stuff along the way, material science, other, other benefits out of those experiments as well. And just remember, always be looking to learn from experiences you know, we always want to win, but even if we don't win or don't succeed and don't get the results we're looking for, there's definitely a lesson in the experience itself. And hopefully we get to both succeed and learn from the experience. And last but not least, when you do make that decision, it's time to give up on something or move on to something else. Make the decision to move on. You know, it's not necessarily about greener pastures. It's not necessarily about anything other than making the decision, taking the actions, and moving on. There may be consequences to having to do that, and we have to accept those things. But at the end of the day, once you make that decision, every second you spend pouring more time, more energy, more resources, more money into something where you've made that decision is just racking up that tab and the sunk cost. So I wanted to kind of go through this this week because I've seen with a lot of the changes that are currently going on in the economic marketplace with projects I see that are shifting and changing. Um, as we look at how AI is shifting and changing a lot of different things in technology and the business space, as I look at how economics is shifting within the country and some of the projects and things that we've been working on ourselves, and some of the things that we've been doing with clients, we're going through and doing some really hard checkpoints to say, okay, is it time to pivot? Do we need to make a change? Do we need to double down? And so I want everybody out there to kind of be doing the same thing. Take a look, see where you're at, and see if it's time to make a change. And if not, keep pushing forward. Until next week, this has been Jim Nettles, and this is Creating Pros. We'll see you again.